Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men find clarity and fulfillment through the pursuit of purpose. On today's episode, we have another special guest. His name is Joe Templin, and he is an author as well as a human Swiss Army knife. Thank you for coming to the show, Joe. Kamani, it is my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Hey, that's great to hear. I've been looking forward to it as well, just from the conversation that we had before. I was really optimistic that we'd offer a lot of value to the listeners. And so I'm excited to hop into it today. Me too, my friend. Me too. Yeah. And so just to uh, give the listeners a little bit more information about you, could you tell them more about what you do? So I say that I'm a human Swiss army knife because saying Renaissance man, one is a little misleading. And two, I can't draw a straight line even with a ruler. (laughs) So what I do in a lot of ways is I'm a human Kaizen expert, Kaizen being the Japanese ideal of continuous improvement. And so it doesn't matter if it's through my writing, through my coaching, through my consulting, you know, all of it is built around the idea that we as human beings can be better. And if we take the time to improve ourselves and our skill sets along multiple different parameters, then we can have better relationships. We can build better businesses. We can have better careers. We can build better communities. And so it comes down to that individual excellence that I help people unlock. Wow. And so I respect it. And uh, one question I'd like to ask is, what would you say got you into that? It's somewhat of a natural evolution. So I had really good parents. Um, Orville Wright actually said one of the best things that a man can do is be born in rural Ohio to good parents. So I wasn't born in rural Ohio. I was born in rural upstate New York, but I have really good parents. So, you know, my father is in his early 80s. He's still around, still is a great influence on me. Uh, He was army for which is actually how he ended up going to college was army Vietnam uh, era and then built a consulting firm. So, you know, I got discipline and hard work and that sort of insight from him. My mom was a farm kid too. So she taught us love of the earth. She was a nun and then became a college uh, instructor, obviously no longer a nun when she had the kids. Uh, And so she taught us, that uh, basically farm work ethic, that um, look out for each other, but keep your nose out of each other's business, that love for learning, not necessarily school, but learning and uh, picking things up, that personal drive. So I got it from both of them. And then when I started doing Taekwondo, when I was like uh, 13 years old, it gave me another outlet for it. And martial arts is a very good way to discover yourself, but also to discover how to push yourself, how to become better. And for a kid like me who had ADHD back in the days when we didn't diagnose it nor medicate it, it really helped me focus and be able to become much more successful academically and ultimately translate into every single component of my careers that I've had. So is that attention to the details while simultaneously having the vision of what you can become, even if you're not there, and the work ethic to do the daily grind day after day to unlock those improvements where ultimately you can level on up. Wonderful. And uh, 
I appreciate you sharing that part of your story so people can know like the background that you came from and some of the challenges that may have led to you seeing so much value in the stuff that you do. And like a follow-up question I like to ask is, uh, you talked about the systems and everything that you think are important or that are important. Uh, what type of services do you offer? So um, I'm primarily an author, consultant, coach, speaker. So, you know, those are, are all wrapped around together. So my newest book is Everyday Excellence, Daily Guide to Growing. And this is a daily reader. It's essentially a multivitamin for life because mm -hmm. it helps individuals grow across all the different parameters that are important to us, where it's profession, communication, personal health, physical health, mental health, relationships, education. So it helps individuals grow on all of those different things, because if you can just get a little bit better every single day in a couple of areas in your life, over weeks and months, you can make tremendous progress. And if you can keep it up over a year, two year, five year period, you're going to see such tremendous personal growth and how that is reflected in terms of your relationships and your success financially overall. So I do some coaching around that. I do public speaking to organizations uh, around it, but it's all about helping individuals unlock that definition of excellence that it lies within them. I love how you called it a multivitamin, <laughs> like kind of like a mental multivitamin, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, it, because excellence is a habit and habits need to be practiced every single day. I don't care if it's martial arts or if you're learning to play the guitar or you're learning a new language or any other skill, it needs to be worked on every single day. And excellence is as much of a mindset as it is anything else. And so if you continuously work on this, your perceptions of the world around you are going to change tremendously. You're going to see more opportunities. Um, it's because you're literally changing your brain through the neuroplasticity and altering your reticular activation system, which is the filter that we look at through the world. There's a reason why uh, successful entrepreneurs keep founding businesses because they keep seeing the opportunities. There's a reason why after you uh, buy a particular type of car, you keep seeing it everywhere because your mind is now attuned to see it. So if we can attune people's mental filters towards being more excellent and work on that every single day, they're going to naturally see more opportunities around it, make better choices and evolve towards that outcome. So what would you say, what would you say was the first thing that your new filter started to pick up whenever you got into personal development? That there were opportunities to do little things that would have big impact. You know, um, there's, uh, is the Stoics talk about cardinal virtues or cardinal choices and mm -hmm. cardinal means hinge on a door is where it comes from from the Latin. So it's one of those things where it's a little thing that can have a large movement overall. It's like a lever effect or lever if we want to go all Jack Sparrow on it. So we, we get proper leverage on things. So mm -hmm. 
looking for those opportunities where the application of a little bit of energy could create a disproportional return. And so that early on was spending a little bit of extra time on my martial arts, focusing on some of the basics. Like uh, I actually spent an insane amount of time working on my stances and I would practice my basic forms without my hands, just moving the lower part of my body so that I would become attuned to that. And so focusing on your fundamentals, whether it is doing your scales as a musician, where it's practicing your basic language as a salesperson or a presenter, whether it is the most basic components of your job, if you can go and master those components, that gives you a much stronger basis to build off of. So that was the early, early stage uh, where I first started doing it. And then the second thing was being able to get multiple uses out of time. We all have 86,400 seconds in a day. I don't care if you're Bill Gates or the president of the United States or a kid in college. We have the same amount of time every single day. And once that day is gone, you don't get any of those seconds back. So one, how do you take advantage of all of them so that you don't waste them? But two, is there any way to be able to get multiple use from it? So for example, while I'm cooking dinner, I'm also listening to a podcast. So I'm feeding my mind while I'm preparing to feed my body. You know, I'll be helping the kids with their homework while doing dishes because the dishes have to be done. And that way I'm getting two uses out of those seconds wherever possible. Sometimes you have to focus. Like, you know, when my kid needs my attention, guess what? I'm down one knee and I'm completely focused on them. But if they're sitting there doing homework, they don't need me sitting there giving them my full attention. I can be there and it present in doing other things that allows me to do things. So when I was like 14 years old, I would sit there uh, and I would be stretched out in a stretch machine for my martial arts while I was doing my homework. And so that allowed me to multitask. When I'm driving, I'm either talking on the phone doing work or I'm doing, I'm listening to something educational or motivational. So I'm constantly trying to get as much use out of every second so that I can squeeze more out of each day. So those two points that you brought up really go hand in hand, where the first one was mainly about the habits and you paying a little bit more attention to the details of what builds into your long-term goals and the things that you were doing. But then also talking about the multitasking, I would say that that's something that I've noticed has been pretty important as well, especially having a, a busy schedule, not only having those habits in place for what you're talking about, but sometimes having the multitask to even be able to complete some of those habits. Same thing where you talked about listening to something in the car. I have a like a daily habit where I have to listen to a podcast episode or listen to like some period of time, like an, an audible for a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that way I can make sure I'm consistently learning too. And so yeah, a lot of times it has to come like in the middle of me doing something or like, let's say if I'm working out, I'll probably have something playing in my earbuds. It's not music. It's probably something educational. And so I can definitely relate to that. And as far as I'm um, making the most out of your time, that continues to be a, a tough thing, even though I have like the knowledge that, you know, that's how things are needed to go in my schedule. 
sometimes you really just don't feel like it. Or sometimes you're so burned out that you really don't want to do two things at once. Because one thing I noticed is that it really does kind of take some of your uh, it does kind of take some of that mental bandwidth, I guess you can say. And when it depletes as you get later and later in the day, it makes it harder and harder to do that sort of thing. So that's why I try and accomplish the most important things early in the day. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of James Clear habit stacking. And so your morning habit stack is your most important because we all get up in the morning. The question is, when do you get up? And two, what do you do in terms of that sequence to make the rest of your day as productive as possible? So my morning habit is I roll out of bed, I have my half cup of coffee ready to go, and I turn on the coffee pot because I prepped it the night before. So I've got the half cup to get me going and the new coffee's making. I sit down, I brain dump out whatever is in my brain because when you're sleeping, that's when your body and mind are processing the most effectively. So there's a lot of stuff that comes on out of that. I literally dump it all on out, then I read... And every single morning I read some form of daily reader. So right now it's um, the Daily Laws by Robert Greene. Last year it was the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. You know, uh, some people want to read the Bible or some other good book or motivational thing. So something like that every single day. And then I actually read Everyday Excellence every morning and do the action item. Because I would be very hypocritical if I said, do this, and I wasn't doing it myself every single day. So I read that sort of stuff to fill my brain. I take care of a couple of quick things like uh, doing the first tweet for the day. I've got about a two-minute routine of push-out stuff. Then I go and I work out for 20 minutes to 30 minutes. And part of that includes doing 100 punches each hand, the most basic technique that I learned in martial arts almost 40 years ago. I do it a hundred times each hand. I've done that um, other than the other day when I was sick and literally couldn't get out of bed. I've done it for almost every single day for that entire time. So at this point in my life, I have thrown over 10 million punches with each hand. I don't have to think about throwing a punch, but practicing your most basic fundamentals every single day, make sure that you never slip up, that you don't decline. And so I'm still faster than people half my age because I still do focus on doing those basics every morning. So I do that workout. Then I sit down and I write for a period of time, might be 15 minutes, might be a half hour, depends on, Uh, how well things are going at that point. But then I finish and I start getting ready for the day, have breakfast, get ready to come to the office and all that. So stacking it like that by 5.30 in the morning, six o'clock, I have already been more productive than most people have in a day. And those are all things that set me up mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically for a good day. So from there, I can roll on in. And then a big productivity hack that I have is I use index cards still. And I sit down and I write down the handful of most important things that I need to accomplish that day. There's some things that happen every single day, like my reach outs and my scheduled podcasts and things like that. But it's the couple of things that I need to do that day to be able to say at the end of the day, I've been successful. And I, I go through the day and I check them on off. And when they're all done, I throw the card on out and it's like, ha, accomplished day. 
then I can move on to other things that are not as high priority or high impact. But by doing something little like that, if I can get through that card before lunchtime, then that means that I'm in the bonus round in terms of my productivity overall. That's impressive that you've been doing the same habits for, like you said, 40 years. You know what? I haven't always been perfect on them, but when you can come back to those habits that worked and stick with them for extended periods of time, I mean, yeah, sometimes I travel for work and things would get disrupted. Um, If I have a multi-day race, if I'm doing a Ragnar, then I'm probably not, I have to disrupt my things. But if you can stick to having those routines the vast, vast majority of the time, you don't need to dedicate a mental bandwidth to setting yourself up to have success overall. And so that then saves me energy. It saves me decision-making capability for the important things that come throughout the day. And by doing it early, when the morning, when the day, you get it done because other people disrupt things. There's chaos that occurs. You know, school's kid uh, closed for the day because of COVID or something else. You know, a sick kid. Um, you know, a client has an emergency. You know, uh, something happens. So uh, all too often I see people who are like, I'll get to that later. It's like, no, I'm going to take care of it now because there might not be a later. Or, you know, I work out early in the morning, you know, I, as an ultra marathoner, I have to work out multiple times a day when I'm getting ready for races, you know, I need to do it in the morning because I might be too tired later or, you know, something might come on up. So if you accomplish it early, then you always have a chance to go back and get a second helping if you want. Mm -hmm. But if you miss the first one and then stuff happens, then you have a goose egg for the day. And no goose eggs is one of my big mantras that I teach uh, young professionals. Never have a goose egg for the day. Even if you have to spend, an, you know, not going out with your buddies for drinks at six o'clock at night, if you need to spend that extra half hour in the office taking care of stuff to so that you have a win for the day, you need to do that because you build the habit of, I don't go home until I've won. And that mental fortitude is the difference between a champion and everybody else long range. I like that. Make sure you go home with a win for the day. And uh, a lot of stuff that you're saying here reminded me of some books that I've read. Uh, One of them, the 5 a.m. club, and then the other one, Atomic Habits. And uh, it'd be great. Yeah, it's a great book. And one thing I like to kind of segue into, because it seems like you become a master at this, setting your habits and having habits that are strong enough. Why? To where you have the motivation to be consistent with them. Because one thing I'll say is. As Nietzsche said, if you have a strong enough why, a man with a strong enough why will overcome any how. So. You know, I do a lot of work with people in financial services, so insurance, investments, stuff like that, um, coaching, and I focus with them on why do you want to do this? Why is this important to you? Because they're going to have people hanging up on them, uh, people who are going to be rude, you know, not want to talk to them. And if your belief in what you're doing is not strong enough, you're going to break. But if you believe for these you know, people who are in financial services that your job is to help people achieve their goals and dreams, that you're put here on earth to make life better for other individuals and you know, service, and 
it doesn't matter how many times people hang up on you as long as you keep going so that there's other people out there that you can help. And even if it's only one out of 10 people that you talk with, you end up helping. You know what? If you can build that resilience, that thick skin, you're going to have an incredibly successful career because if you help enough people get what they want, you're going to get what you want. And so having that ability to take the hits and keep going, as Rocky says, is the way that winning is done. Yeah, I like it. And um, one more thing that I like to ask about that. So you talked about. I'm trying to think of how, how would I phrase this? Or we can go ahead and just move on from that. And uh, one thing that I like yeah, let's to come on back to it. You know, because I'm trying to remember how exactly I wanted to say it, but it was related to uh, how you developed your why and how how it linked into the habits that you do, like with the taekwondo, with the running and everything. Okay, that's what it was. So what would you say your why is and like how do these habits kind of tie into what you do, like in your overall purpose? So what I do is I help people. I help Mm -hmm. people clarify and achieve their goals and dreams in alignment with their feelings and philosophies. So that could be building their business. That could be sending their kids to college. That could be, you know, being a successful writer. That could be, you know, helping them uh, with their relationships. So every, I was put on this earth to help other people. Okay. Maybe it's because I had a mom who was a nun and, you know, but so all of the different skills that I've developed, all the different things that I've learned, the relationships that I've built, these are all assets to help me help other people. And I know that the more people that I impact, whether I get paid for it financially in the short term or not, I'm doing good. I am a strong believer in karmic capitalism. So I might not get paid today for the good work that I do, but it's going to help build my reputation in some form. It's going to, you know, send ripples out in the universe. If I'm doing the right things and helping other people over and over and over again, I'm going to benefit ultimately somehow, some way, long range. So I'm not concerned about maximizing my return and getting every single penny out of every relationship every day because that's not sustainable you do the right thing and you keep doing it and you are going to be okay and so it's being able to do enough of that so that you can survive today and grow over time and so serving others by and helping them become the best people that they are, become the best business owners that they can be, become the best father or mother or uncle or aunt or friend, you know, helping others literally become the best that they can be in every capacity. That's how I, one, get a lot of joy. And two, ultimately it takes care of me. So I don't have to worry here or in the hereafter. How would you say that's affected your relationships? Taking that, um, I guess that um, path through life. So um, there's, if you look at Carol Dweck's research, only about 40% of the population has what's termed a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are very extractive in terms of their attitude, in terms of their relationships. What's in it for me? 
Yes, they are takers as opposed mm-hmm. to makers. So, you know, you've got more people out there that are looking to take than give. And that's just the way of the world. And so you're going to have some short-term losses. And sometimes they can be really bad. I mean, I actually had a business partner that I worked with years ago who literally stole all the money from the business. You know what? That sucked. I was at below ground zero afterwards and had to get back to zero and then try and rebuild from there. It happens. Okay, you know, lesson learned. You know, I learned to see a bunch of the red flags from it. But does that mean that I'm going to be jaded and not try and help people and not put my absolute best into every single relationship and uh, meeting and situation to try and help other people to the best of my ability? No, because that's professional pride that goes through everything that you do. I don't care if it's anything other than, you know, a real quick throwaway like dinner for myself. I have a moral obligation to do my absolute best at all times. And you build a reputation around that. If other people see that you give everything when you do something. And so they trust you with more important things at work. They are willing to come to you with opportunities. They are willing to give you the benefit of the doubt if something happens. So it gives you more chances to succeed if every chance that you get you're taking full advantage of it and pouring yourself into as opposed to half-assing stuff i see where you're coming from and uh one question i like to kind of probe with a little bit about this situation with you and your uh your business partner is on what advice would you give to the listeners that might have experienced something similar where they were uh crossed in some sort of way and that might be pretty cynical about um others what advice would you give them to move through life to i guess stay on the positive and trust but verify and two how do you de-riskify things so how do you build it so that there's small risks instead of huge risks so Mm -hmm. you um one thing if you study trust and i actually teach a seminar on the art and science of trust and the different components and mathematics of it one component of trust is intimacy and i liken this to building trust is you don't just jump into bed with somebody immediately expect that you're going to have a 30-year relationship with them if that happens okay Trust is built by increasing levels of intimacy. You know, first, you know, you you ask them out and got the little bit of butterflies. Then you hold hands, maybe you get the kiss, you know, then the big hug and, you know, it escalates like that. Same thing in business, you know, so you open yourself up to a little bit greater risk with them as Steve Jobs would say, open the kimono. So you expose a little bit of your vulnerability and they expose a little bit. And then you expose a little more and they expose a little bit more. And ultimately, you know, you're getting naked uh, emotionally or, um, you know, financially together. But that is not jumping from zero to 10 immediately on this. And trust takes time. Intimacy takes time. And so you allow things to go a little bit slower paced and we live in an incredibly fast paced world and I'm a very fast paced individual with a bias towards action. So slowing down and letting nature take its course there 
is one of the best ways to make sure that you don't get burned. Oh, okay. I see. So pretty much just to kind of summarize it, make sure that you give them, I guess, length on the leash, you know, based on the amount of trust that you've built, make sure you actually have enough rapport with them before you give them potential opportunities that they might not deserve. Right. So you give them a little opportunity and they either succeed or fail. And if they fail, why did they fail? Was it because it wasn't clearly communicated or for some other reason? Then, you know, a little bit bigger opportunity, then a little bit bigger opportunity. So they earn the right. So uh, I'm a big baseball fan, specifically Mm -hmm. the Yankees. And so you don't just get to be the closer on day one. Okay. You, You have to earn that right. Even Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer of all time, was a setup man for his first year and a half, basically before he earned the right to close. So you there's a pecking order and what happens is they put you in a low risk situation and you either succeed or you don't. And then it's a little bit higher risk situation. You succeed or you don't. If you don't, you get busted back down. But with trust, give them a little bit more and they succeed. Okay, you can give them a little bit more. And over time, you get a full view of their character, of their integrity, and you can make that decision. And there's always going to be cases where, you know, somebody screws you after 10 plus years, you know, the situation where the spouse cheats after two decades, that's always going to exist. But that is the exempt, the exception much more than the rule. Okay, okay. And what would you say was the turning point for you, whether it's in your businesses or anything else, where you started delegating to other people and giving that trust instead of trying to do everything yourself? Um, I actually learned early on in my business career, because if you look at any business, there's a whole bunch of different tasks that need to be done, different skills. And typically they have very different mindsets around them. Okay. As an entrepreneur, as a startup founder, we wear all the hats, but there's some things that are very um, extroverted type oriented, very um, knowledge-based. And there's other stuff where it's filling out paperwork, which to me is the absolute worst form of torture is to have to sit there and do the paperwork and, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's and all that sort of stuff. So I started uh, very early on, how do I get somebody else to do this? So I, I literally hired somebody to just do filing. This is 25 plus years ago when there was tons and tons of paperwork and, you know, we had massive filing cabinets. So I would bring somebody in for four or five hours a week just to do that because if i had to do that five hours of filing that was five hours that i would either do on the weekend which is what i ultimately did but i so i had that so that i could have that five hours on the weekend so i could spend that time learning more advanced stuff that then made me more productive then you know i peeled off another piece that was related to that in terms of doing note, you know, file notes around it and stuff like that. And so what that did is that slowly freed me up to do what the IRS calls highest and best use. So if I could do $200 an hour work by outsourcing $10 an hour work, even if um, if they were slightly slower at it than I was, you know what? Still, if they freed me up for two hours and it cost me $30, that two hours, 
I could turn around and make more than enough to pay for them and get differential revenue. And so it allowed me to grow my business and it then allowed me to be able to focus on more complex things, higher value things to clients. And so that's how you grow is by delegating appropriately to take the lowest complexity things off of your plate or so that you can focus on your unique abilities in a lot of ways. Okay, I see. So for example, I would have all of your listeners sit down and actually do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And you don't become a hall of famer by spending all your time on your weaknesses. What you do is you delegate out your weaknesses wherever possible and double and triple down on your strengths and opportunities. So for example, um, if you're a basketball player, okay, and you're an awesome three-point shooter, but you're a horrible rebounder because you're like six foot two, six foot three, you're tiny for the most part, you're not going to go and try and become an awesome rebounder because that can be somebody else's job who can do it so much better. You're going to become the sharpshooter that can sit there and rain down threes. And you're going to practice your footwork so that you can bust ankles and get open so that you can rain down those threes. And you're going to keep working on that. And if you can get to the point where you're sinking five threes a game, guess what? You're always going to have a job. Okay, okay. See, when you put it that way with the sports analogy, I feel like it makes it pretty easy for the listeners to understand. And then just even doing a SWOT analysis too, that's something that we had to do in school during the business courses I had to take for my degree. Where like, you know, let's say for like an idea that you might have, or, you know, even for your for yourself with some of the leadership classes I had to take, doing a SWOT analysis is something that was pretty helpful. You know what? The first page or for January 1st in Everyday Excellence it is doing a SWOT analysis. And so I would have every one of your listeners at at least once a year do a SWOT and review it so that they can see if there's any weaknesses or uh, threats that can be outsourced, that can be minimized, what have you, and they can really focus on the things that are going to move them forward and make them great. All right. And I'm glad that we kind of came back to the book because one question I like to ask you about it is um, of all the lessons that you have in there, which one would you say is the one that you're still working on the most today? There was a slight uh, blip there. Kamani, can you repeat that question, please? Yes. So of all the stuff that you have in your book, which uh, lesson or which um, I guess characteristic would you say that you're still working on the most today? Oh, dude. So there's a couple of them. So uh, one thing that I'm really, really working on because I'm not good at is forgiving people who fall down repeatedly because they aren't giving the effort, whether it's emotionally mentally. So, you know, 
my success has come because of just sheer stick to itiveness in a lot of ways of not giving up during tough times. I've been beaten down over and over again. I get knocked down, I get back up again. You know, no, I'm not going to sing, but you know, so I get, I get knocked down and I just get back up. I'm very resilient that way. And people who give up at the first sign of difficulty or the second sign that bothers me. People who have an entitled mentality and want others to do it for them, as opposed to being willing to work for themselves. So that extractive mindset, as opposed to uh, creative or constructive mindset, that's something that being tolerant with others around things like that, that is something that I am working on all the time. And I'm not good at it. I freely admit, but I'm still trying. And part of the reason why I'm trying is because I've got a strong ego. I mean, I'm going to put it on out there and my friends will laugh because they're like, hell yeah, you do. Uh, But there are a lot of things that are more important than my ego. Okay. And relationships with people that you care about, helping others who are having mental illness. And so it's not their fault that they're making bad decisions, whether it's addiction to drugs or to things on their phone or to, you know, repeatedly having uh, moral violations within their uh, marriage. You know, some people, not everyone has the same sort of strengths that we do. And we need to be tolerant around that. Even when we want to just yell at them, Hey, you know, freaking suck it up, you know, just stop because that's not going to help them get better. And really as people, that is what we're supposed to do as friends is basically do whatever it takes to help our friends get better. As Leonard Cohen says, you know, uh, I'm your man in one of my favorite songs. So whatever you need, I need to be able to set aside my ego and my desires to assist in that. And this is one of the requirements of being a parent. This is one of the requirements of being a partner, whether it's in business or in a relationship, is to be able to set aside our own ego and do what it takes to help the other person get what they need to succeed. So I can actually relate to that. And one thing I'll say is that uh, a lot of things that might irritate me the most with some of the people that are around me are in a way things were like, if I saw those sorts of traits in myself, I would do like probably the extreme to try and avoid them in a way, you know, because I know if I reflected on myself and saw that same stuff, you know, I would be disgusted by it. And just by me having like that kind of look towards towards those traits in a way it makes me look at those people the same way, but you would think it put you in like a place of, uh, of empathy. If you, right. if you see that as something that you might've struggled with too, but that's just my perspective on but, it. But we're also like, I overcame it. Why can't you? Mm-hmm. And if we see it in somebody that's already close to us, you know, if it was a new person trying to enter our circles, you know, we'd be like, no, you stay out. You're not worthy to enter in. But if it's somebody who's already within that circle that we already care about or love, then we have to do the extra effort to fight our own tendencies 
while we are doing whatever it takes to help them. And so if they're already within that circle the, of, you know, whether it's a kid, whether it's a sibling, whether it is part of our close um, group of people that we care about, that's where it is the most painful and the most effort, but it's actually, you know, our obligation to be able to overcome ourselves, to help them because they are worth it, because we do care. And, you know, we're not going to throw away three years or 15 years or whatever of relationship or, you know, cast your kid out because they're making bad choices. Now we need to be there for them. All right. Thank you for that. And uh, one last question I usually ask as we start to wrap interviews up is, I mean, it doesn't have to be related to anything we talked about today, but um, what would you say is the one piece of advice that you've been given that you would say has been the most functional for you, uh, whether it's, you know, from somebody saying it or reading it in a book? So there's something that my dad taught me years ago. I was probably first in graduate school. So we're talking 25 plus years ago. Uh, he taught me this, that you should always look for the pearl of wisdom. So it doesn't matter if you're going to a seminar or you're reading a book or you're having a meeting with a potential client, you should always look for the pearl of wisdom, that one idea, that one concept, that one thing you can take away from there that's going to help you out. And if you can string together enough pearls of wisdom, you can end up having a very rich life. And so this is something that I actually thank my dad for all the time. And I've integrated into some of the talks that I do is look for that one thing, that one idea, that one takeaway in every podcast, in every book, in every article you read, in every interaction that you can then use to make your life richer. That's a great one, actually. Like I would, um, I'm going to take that one for myself. <laughs> I'm going to start thinking about that. Looking so for the pearl in I'm going to turn around on you, Kamani. What is one pearl that you personally are taking away from our conversation today? One pearl I've taken away from this is that uh, I can't do it all. Because one thing I'll say is that this is probably on my end anyway, one of the worst interviews I've ever done. And the reason why I say that is because just coming in and like even throughout it, I, have, I wasn't able to be present like I normally am. Um, honestly, pretty spread thin and worn out from you know, just even though it's early in the week. And so I just know I didn't show up the way I wanted to. And the pearl, I guess you could say I've taken from it is that uh, sometimes I need to give myself that time to decompress, you know, because hopping right from work, changing and getting right into this and doing it over and over and over. I guess I can see it starting to catch up to me along with other things. Okay. So that's a great lesson to learn. And so for tonight and then tomorrow, you're going to make a micro change, a small difference in terms of how you go about things, what you do. Maybe it's taking 15 minutes to decompress before starting the next podcast, whatever. And so you're going to benefit from that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up another episode of Improvement. If you guys liked the episode, please make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to it on. And uh, for the people that want to find you, Joe, where should they go? 
Um, so you can find me at the pub, maybe. Uh, but if you want to look for me online, you can find me at Twitter or on Facebook. Those are both at EDE with Joe. That's at EDE for Everyday Excellence with Joe. That's me still. Um, or they can go to the website, which is everyday-excellence.com. And six days a week, I put new information up there. So there's a constant stream of little ideas to potentially help people become better overall. All right. Thank you for that. Well, hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Kamani, this has been wonderful. Thank you for bringing me on. Be excellent and grow today. Hey, thank you. Take care.